this very cavalier jump cut video, weird absurdist things, right. smug dude with a beard. Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Hey, everybody, we're back with another edition of the podcast. I'm David Allen, of course, and we have an exciting guest on today. Uh, I will actually get his name right since I just asked him a few seconds ago how to pronounce it. And uh, Nick DeSabato, how are you? I'm doing great. And that was perfect. <laughs> I had practice for a second and a half, so I'm good. I'm good this time. Nice. <laughs> now, Nick, uh, we're going to start with, like we do with most guests, is sort of uh, delving into your career trajectory or superhero origin story, if you will. Mm -hmm. sort of take us on that journey from where you were, you know, uh, maybe you had a regular job or you were in school or whatever uh, it started and, and sort of take us up to where you're at now. You can, it can be short, it can be long, it can be whatever you want to divulge. And then sure. we'll jump, jump into some more of uh, what you're doing nowadays. Sounds great. So I am an interaction designer by trade. I did uh, human computer interaction in graduate school and got out and became a front end developer. And that turned out to be a horrible idea. So I started doing more like usability and UX type stuff. Uh, various agencies for five or six years and then I quit my job and started my own consultancy and started to treat it like it was an actual business. Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> Make more money than you spend. <laughs> and, uh, and then I, uh, so I did a bunch of like random wireframey type projects and IA projects for a couple of years and decided to come up with a retainer for my, my work and decided that AP testing wouldn't make for a really good retainer because you're still doing design, you're practicing mm -hmm. it in some capacity, but you're also measuring the economic impact of it and doing it in a way that solves a really big expensive problem for organizations of certain skies and scale. So uh, I did that about oh, three and a half years ago and it blew up and did really well and I've been kind of going hard on that side of things since. Awesome. Awesome. So that's, that's very interesting then. Uh, was there something about... Uh you know, where it's where you're at now with sort of the A-B testing and the research into that and, and how to, you know, construct the design uh, that leads to more conversions or whatever the end, the end result is. Uh, was that something that you'd sort of always had in the back of your mind that you were interested in? Uh, were you interested in, the, you know, uh, like copywriting and stuff like, you know, is the natural sort of addition to that? Yeah, I'd always identified as a writer in some capacity and figuring out good copy is you know, a big factor of how a site can persuade and how it can factor into the design. Um, but I started out with more of like a usability background and right. put together A-B testing as just an offering that was an extension of that. So the answer is kind of no, like okay. I fell into it at some point and I eventually learned, okay, well, there's this whole practice around it called conversion rate optimization and a very large part of it is the copywriting. So then there's all these people doing good copywriting like Joanna Weeb and, and Pavlaha and all these other people that are much smarter than me. Um, and so that, you know, it was, 
it felt like a new frontier in a lot of ways. And I still get to like work the UX side of my brain. And I think that coming at it from that angle helps me converse with my clients and uh, create something that works a little bit more better. Uh, more better. <laughs> a little bit more <laughs> right. Works differently. Uh, it, works, it works in a way that actually people want to be using, right? right. Uh, I try to create technology that is not horrible. And that's a very broad <laughs> statement, right? But it's, it's still, it's the core of the thing that I'm doing. And copy factors into that, right? It makes it clear right. More uh, effective at communicating. Now, of course, I think we've all had that sort of common experience of trying to use something and not knowing where to go, what you know, what section there, you know, because you're looking for something in particular. Usually, when you're looking, you know, you go someplace, especially if yeah. it's the internet and you're going on the web. And we've all had that experience of trying to find exactly what path that thing we want to know. <laughs> you have to go down. So that's right up your alley. That's that's what you're looking for is to make it more clear and more usable so that. Uh, it makes that process a lot, lot more direct. Yeah, that's exactly right. So maybe start talking about, you know, some of the uh, basis for how you go about determining some of these things, like some of the research, like in being a copywriter myself, of course, we take in all sorts of information up front from, from people, uh, from the client, usually if you're doing freelancing or, if, or from your own products or whatever you're, you're hawking. And, you know, it sort of uh, evolves over time as you sort of assemble the different pieces almost. Yeah. But uh, what sort of stuff do you do when you're sort of you know, delving into trying to make this a more usable uh, situation, whether that's a website or a product or an app or whatever? Yeah, so I think a lot of it comes from having that design background actually and right. figuring out because one of the underpinnings of user experience design is talking to the customer and understanding their motivations. Uh, as far as the actual things I'm doing are concerned, there's uh, the obvious like kind of quantitative ones like Google Analytics, diving in there. Uh, I don't like using Google Analytics. I don't know anyone who does, but there's a <laughs> lot of tremendously valuable stuff in there uh, and understanding how people are converting at various rates. So, oh, find out that mobile is dismal. Well, why is that. Um, or I find out that a specific browser, specific platform, or specific device isn't working well, or a specific page is taking too long to load. So I'm doing those kinds of things. Um, I'm doing heat maps, scroll maps, uh, all those sorts of things. And those are things you can do for free or very cheap. And then there are the more qualitative parts of uh, my research practice, which are actually recruiting people and getting them on the phone and trying to not ask them leading questions. Mm. Figuring out what their motivations are for uh, purchasing this product, what objections they had as they they went through, uh, vetting competitors, who they vetted as competitors, um, what their background is and what their motivations are and how they hope to be using the product. All of those things eventually affect the pitch, which I'm going to be testing, and so have quite a bit of relevance to copywriting. Right. Uh, you can do it in a little bit more passive of a way by surveying people, but often you just get two words in a text box. So I tend to use like <laughs> quantitative, like more like net promoter score or um, ranking things on, you know, strong disagree to strong agree or something like that. Right. Uh, those sorts of things tend to work a little bit better on the survey side of things. And then lastly, the biggest UX thing that ends up affecting the pitch often is uh, usability testing. So I have people... If you go to like usertesting.com, they're a good resource for this. You basically have people complete a task on your site. Usually it's like buy a thing with a fake credit card or something. Right. And uh, vocalize your inner monologue as you are going through the process of doing that. And so you get a lot of insight into, well, this doesn't work for me or this is working well for me. But you also get like, I don't understand what this is for. Right. Or I don't understand 
why they're, they had this headline here. Like, what does this even mean? And if there's <laughs> questions, right? If there's questions yeah. about meaning or definitions, then you probably messed up your copywriting on mm. the homepage or somewhere further down the homepage, right? Yeah, I mean, I see that a lot. And generally, from my experience, it's just that people tend to, who aren't doing copy in a, you know, on a daily sort of thing, is that they're, it's just so vague, you know, it's trying to, it's trying to be all encompassing in, in many ways. And yet it's trying, and you sort of can see, because if you do it long enough, you can sort of see what the, what they're trying to get at. But it's just so vague that it's like, what, what is that? And it's often accompanied by jargon which just further complicates yeah. matters. For your, uh, so you're using a lot of online uh, tools and stuff mm-hmm. to, to accomplish a lot of this stuff. You mentioned uh, usertesting.com and stuff. What are some other tools maybe people might be interested in besides Google Analytics? Uh, Google Analytics Mixpanel uh, is another one that if you know JavaScript and know how to fire events back to Mixpanel can be insanely powerful okay. for understanding customer behavior, especially around software products. Uh, I use Hotjar, H-O-T-J-A-R, and uh, that one is for heat maps, scroll maps, behavior recordings, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I use Ethneo, E-T-H-N dot I-O for uh, recruitment for usability testing uh, and uh, customer interviews especially so that basically it puts an exit intent in there and, or a popover or whatever and asks you a bunch of questions that are eventually meant to qualify you in or out as a lead and then I follow up with call link and hope that you schedule it and give you an Amazon gift card for your time for a oh, month nice. or so or something. Yeah, so I do that. Uh, and uh, other tools that I use, Visual Website Optimizer for uh, A-B testing. So I go to VWO.com for that. And then the usual suspects. So it's like Skype, FaceTime, Audio Hijack, Microphone. Right. Sort of stuff. <laughs> Are there, are there any sort of questions you stumble across, you know, when you're conducting these surveys or these, you know, uh, interrogations, if you will? I feel like I'm always interrogating people uh, when I'm trying to get to the real motivations. Because often I find as a copywriter, when you're talking to people as to why they're interested in a product or, or, or the client themselves, what they think about it and why they want to do certain things, it's often like a very surface level thing, which is almost like they want to they're telling you what you want to hear or what they think they should be telling you. And then there's like the real reason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So first when I just to head that off a bit, when there is, when, when there is definitely a temptation on the customer interviewees perspective uh, to tell me what I want to hear. Right. But I'm not there to be told what I want to hear. And also as a consultant, I'm usually not there and I don't have a whole lot of skin in the game. Right. I'm not there as part of the customer's team or the client's team or whatever have you. That actually, I set up some expectations and ground rules at the very beginning. I'm like, I have no idea uh, what you're going to say and I want the most like unvarnished and honest opinions. I'm not part of the client's team at all and they're not going to go blame you or criticize you or do anything. There's no ramifications for this. I'm deadly serious. <laughs> I've gone so far as to get that in writing with right. people. Like I promise to anonymize all of this. And so then when I go to the client, they get, you know, participant number one and they get very broad demographic information. Like mid thirties lives in Atlanta. 
like, okay, great. That's not helpful at all. But um, you want to make sure that you are also kind of flagging as somebody who's, who's relatable. So there's a lot of body language that goes into it. Right. If I'm on a video call, I smile a lot. Uh, if I'm on an audio call, I still try to do that so that I sound right. enthusiastic and convivial because I don't want to be, if I've had a bad day, I need to act like I haven't had a bad day and that I can go in and be relatable on that front. To answer your question about the actual questions that I'm asking, a lot of it are like, well, tell me how you came upon this product. Who told you about it? And then, uh, okay, well, uh, what were you thinking as you were kind of going through and evaluating it for your use? Were there any objections that you had as you went into it? What was the last thing that held you back from purchasing this? And that's another big one. Okay. Um, what other competitors did you consider before purchasing this? What did you like or dislike about those competitors? A lot of these, I mean, that can fill 45 minutes of a 60-minute interview, to be entirely honest, because most of the time I'm sitting there mm-hmm-ing, pausing really long so that you end up giving me more information and then doing the classic, tell me more about that. Right. You mentioned this thing. Tell me more about this thing. Elaborate on that. I'm doing as much as I can to actively listen, reflect back to the participant, and then ask them more probing questions about these things. Right. And I'm always through this is I'm thinking about the next question to be asking. Right. Mm -hmm. So you've asked me about specific questions and I'm kind of giving more of a process, but right. I think that's the way that it's not the same kind of conversation that you usually have between two people. It's not even the same kind of conversation that I have on a podcast with, you know, right. with you or anybody else. And it's, it's a specific way you carry yourself and comport yourself and prepare the next question to be asked. It takes a lot out of you. Mm -hmm. It's I like the way you set it up in advance too, that, that you try to assuage those fears, I guess, that people have about being brutally honest. Cause those are really like, the, yeah, the, those are really the best conversations, whether I'm talking to somebody on a podcast or talking to somebody about why they chose the product or why they want, you know, who they think they're selling to or whatever uh, I'm mm -hmm. involved in. It's those conversations. I really give you the meat, you know, of what uh, needs to be done. So I, I find it interesting. Now, have you found, are you dealing uh, personally mostly with online products, digital products and stuff like that? Yeah, so it's a kind of a 60-40 split between e-commerce retailers and software companies. So okay. a lot of it is like SaaS businesses. Like my first big client was DN Simple and they're like okay. a DNS provider. It's super wonky. Um, I've done work for uh, KeySmart, big shop plus client. I've done work for Bellroy. They make wallets. Uh, I've done work for a tech blog called The Wire Cutter back when they were independent. Um, they got bought by the New York Times fairly recently. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it's, it really runs the gamut. It's, um, I, they each have their own sets of specific issues and I've kind of geeked out on both of those and figured out how a testing strategy works into those. Going more and more towards e-commerce these days, but that's more just because of the clients I'm happening to get and their problems in that space are a little bit more interesting to me right now. So. Now, do you find when you conduct these uh, surveys and these interviews of people that they're surprising things about the way people are looking for stuff nowadays, like how the process that they're going through, you know, where they try to search things out? Um, I think that the process of vetting competitors has gotten a little bit stronger 
and people are a little bit more wary of, of converting. So the consequence for that, if you're writing a marketing page, is do some more objection busting, do a little bit more auditing about what the perspective objections are going to be, and try and get ahead of those as, as firmly as you possibly can. And you can do that at every step of the process. That also involves including things like social proof or customer reviews or um, product comparisons. Another thing I'm seeing with e-commerce in particular, um, there are a lot of product. There are a lot of uh, businesses I've worked with that have like big accessory lines, okay. and they do a historically bad job of promoting what accessories are compatible with what products. So that's one thing that I find, in, not just on a copywriting standpoint, but also on a usability standpoint. If I can get ahead of that problem, I end up increasing average order value significantly. And that makes my clients happier and me happier. So. so is that just a matter of they're not upselling people by by trying to package these kids together or they just yeah. don't think yeah, they just don't think about that kind of stuff. Yeah, they're not thinking about it. Or they they use the like stock way that their e-commerce mm-hmm. software does it, right? So on Shopify, there's always like related products at the bottom, but it's like right. they find a random selection of related products and they don't say, for this model, this, this, and this. And they pick like the three top sellers. Because right. that is programmatically more difficult to pull off and people think that they have a good enough solution around it from layout behavior, but also from copy, right? You can can get to the person at the right time and do something that really meets their needs a little bit more effectively. Right. So when you're, because you say you're dealing a lot with the e-commerce as of late, for people out there, I know there are people listening to the show that do have e-commerce stores. We have, you know, a lot of uh, solopreneurs that listen to the show and people have dropshipping mm-hmm. companies and so forth. What are, what are the things you're seeing, which are sort of the most, you know, the, the top hit list of things that people are, are either forgetting, doing wrong, leaving out, you know, the sort of the, the big ones you see, because for copywriting, you know, often when I look at people's copy, I see the same things over and over again, same sort of problems. I'm sure it's probably much the same for you. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Um, there's definitely a, I mean, there's the classic like features, not benefits thing. Mm-hmm. There's for a lot of software companies and a lot of e-commerce, they don't talk about the pain enough. They don't talk about the problems. Um, they only talk about the product. And uh, my friend Amy Hoy has an article there. She basically rewrote her whole marketing page for the, her homepage and framed it such a, that it goes from pain to dream to fix. So you have this problem. Wouldn't it be great if you had this? So that's, um, those are some pretty common strategies. Another one, uh, and this is another kind of half design, half um, copy side of things. Nobody gets their button text right. I can't right. tell you how many you know, <laughs> creation forms or checkout forms I've seen that are called submit. Um, if you say next step colon insert name of step here, you will do much better. <laughs> I know it's so small and simple, but that's a very, very important one. Setting expectations around um, account creation and password laws. Super, super helpful. Yeah, all of those are really, really valuable. Yeah, I found too, because I've worked on people's websites and stuff with their copy. And, and, and often, like you're saying, it is sort of this, you know, and people, I'm sure, because people have told me this, is that they're just using what, you know, they saw it somewhere else. You know, it's kind of that game of like, matchy, matchy, uh, yeah. you know, sort of thing. They're almost resistant. And I, I wonder if you encounter this more because you're working with maybe some more of the corporate uh, side of things that you encounter this almost like... Uh, Oh, what would I say? Like maybe sort of antiseptic professionalism or something where uh, people are afraid to infuse 
or, or don't want to infuse their own personality into some of these aspects, you know, like, uh, yeah, some of my favorite websites have great, uh, button text and stuff that had that, that says that that is, you know, congruent with the, with who I'm buying from uh, the company and or the person. Yeah. So there's, um, I think that one of the biggest pitfalls that people have is to go to your point is that they don't inject enough personality or character into their copy. Right. And I tell them to do it and then they just write more words. <laughs> and I'm like, That's not, it's not what I mean. You know? <laughs> or they, they, lately I've gotten a few situations where they've just ripped off the ones that flag is badass enough. Right. So, uh, like I get a lot of Dollar Shave Club people right now. <laughs> and it's not, it's like Dollar Shave Club chic, right? right like it's right. like this very cavalier jump cut video, weird absurdist things, right. smug dude with a beard. And <laughs> like, okay. Or uh, another one is Cards Against Humanity chic, right? Right. And I don't just mean the poop jokes that are on the cards that everybody focuses on, but if you know them as a business, you know that their yeah. copywriting is world class, right? They're yeah. totally, it's meant to hammer at a specific demographic that have a specific set of expectations and you can't fake that, right? Mm -hmm. So getting, I think to your point, getting people to actually get out of their skin and do something that is a little bit risky, mm -hmm. um, even, even in a more like unconventional but still like relatively safe way. Like uh, you won't hate this or something like that. There's a little bit of sarcasm in it, right. but it's still safe. Who says that unless... They're at a you know cocktail party or something like that. Right, right. Now that's something uh, I always stress too, and is stressed upon you when you learn about copywriting and stuff too. Is that uh, it, it should be a casual conversation. There's too much of this, which I was sort of hinting at before. I guess is that there, a lot of stuff has this very what people consider professionalism uh, mm -hmm. for some reason, which is this antiseptic, this sort of like sterile uh, business speak. That, it's tone deaf. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's a good way of putting it, actually, and yeah. it doesn't resonate with anybody. I mean, well, I shouldn't say that, I guess, because there's other, there's other people out there it does see, who do seem to ascribe to that who, uh, you know, uh, I don't trust <laughs> personally. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've always been more trusting of people who, I guess, swear and carry on normally, like normal people. <laughs> like normal people, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> and sure, boring people exist out there, but I don't put myself in front of terribly many of them. So <laughs> I, I'm with you on that, right? And so this... This goes into um, kind of the A-B testing side of it, right? Like if right. you're afraid, what this, what this comes down to is people retreat to that kind of institutional corporate tone deaf language because they're afraid mm -hmm. of pissing someone off or having too many opinions and, and causing people to nope out of a conversation. And they think they're wrong about this. Mm -hmm. They think that they will be able to get more customers by being boring. Right. Um, and that works for like Google and Facebook and not your business. Right. right. It works for businesses that are meant to work for literally the entire human race. Um, but there are very few of those. And you probably, if you're listening to this podcast, don't work for any of them. Right. Towards that end, if they're afraid, you can say, okay, well, two things. I interviewed a bunch of people and they have these demographic traits and these attributes. So we have some research that actually bears out uh, a change here some sort. 
And now we can run an A-B test on that change, right? right? And that allows us, as impartially as possible, measure the economic impact of making a voice and tone change on the homepage, right? right. Or on wherever. Yeah. And that um, it de-risks the thing because then you're trying it, mm -hmm. seeing how it works, trying it with a smaller subset of the customers. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work, then you can retreat back to the boring thing. And I tell you, I've run very few A-B tests like that <laughs> that come back with research that are liable to fail. At the worst case, nothing happens and you wonder what you were afraid of. That's right. So. No, that's true. Well, you know, if people want to find you, Nick, uh, what's the best way to go about that? If they're looking to get some testing done or looking for some insights uh, because they've... Uh you know, they either don't want to get their hands dirty on the testing aspect because it's complicated or they just don't have the time. Um, so you can go to draft.nu. Uh, that is my business's website. Um, if you're curious to learn more about A-B testing and especially research-driven A-B testing, you can go to freeabtestingcourse.com um, and we'll have, I think those will be in the show notes and yeah. uh, you can take a look there and get a sense of my work right now and I would love to hear from you. Awesome. Well, that's been awesome. We've talked about a lot of uh, important things out there uh, today. You've given some great information. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show, Nick. Uh, oh, total honor. Thank you so much. No, no problem. And I'm sure we'll do it again in the future at some point. For everyone else listening to this, that's another episode of the podcast. We'll be back with another exciting guest uh, a week from today. We'll talk to you then. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more.